Welcome to The Johnny Cassell Show. This is your number one resource for dating and lifestyle advice. Now, Awana is a aviation and travel expert. She's the founder of her own consultancy group, the Damaso Group, which specializes in the commercialization of airports and improving the traveler's experience of the airport all the way from arriving to their destination. Her expertise doesn't stop there. Uh, she's consulted over 46 airports up to date. She told me 45, but after doing my due diligence, in which she specializes in, I think it's 46. Uh, we'll see you in a minute. And, um, you know, she's been responsible for um, being part of 24 billion transactions, uh, $24 billion transactions uh, through, you know, commercialization of airports, which I'm sure she's going to tell us a little bit more about in a moment or so. But apart from her entrepreneurship and her business uh, life, what intrigues me the most about Awana is her thirst and hunger for her, her lifestyle, keeping her lifestyle going whilst maintaining a successful business, which is something that I encourage you guys to, to do. I encourage you guys to go out there, acquire the lifestyle you did, that you desire, uh, do the business that you need to create that lifestyle. Let's not forget that part. And I think Awana is one of the uh, great examples of someone that's done that. She's a fitness fanatic. Um, I'm constantly being inspired by watching her stories on Instagram. I've, I've been blessed to actually work out with her uh, <laughs> a while ago. And, um, you know, she, she's, she's a real inspiration. You know, her, her hunger at first to constantly be motivated. Um, I think if a little bit of her can rub off on you, uh, through this discussion, I think something beautiful can come from this. So without further ado, I'm going to invite her on. Hey. Hello. It's been a long time since I've seen your face. It's been quite a while, <laughs> hasn't it? So w- was I correct? You, you're still stuck or are you stuck or are you there by design and choice out in the Dominican Republic right now? Initially, that's what it was, and then I was stuck, and now I think it's still design and choice. Right, so you're <laughs> enjoying it out there. Yes, very much so. Who wouldn't? So I've I've given you a bit of an intro there. I've I've given as much information to the audience um, for what I know about you. I mean. Our relationship has consisted of, you know, meeting up for a coffee and then you talking me in to go and training with you and then <laughs> and then you justifying your logic of spending so much on your membership fees in your in your <laughs> training gym, which I was completely sold, by the way. You completely sold that to me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but what I want to get into, and I think I know we bounced back and forth of what the angle was to deliver here, but the angle just like jumps out the page. It's so simple. I mean, you are like the person to speak to right now with like whatever, with everything going on, you know, people concerned about the travel and where they should go and what travel is going to look like in the next couple of months to a year. Um, could you tell us a little bit more uh, about how you got into what you're doing? It's very, very niche what you do. It's very niche. How, how did that come about? You know how things, good things come about in a way that you don't expect it. I did a, an MBA in Spain, um, and then I moved to London, and I got into this consulting company, which was very specialized on infrastructure projects. And I joined the aviation team, um, and that's how it all started. 
you know, I joined on a marketing position, but then I ended up writing aviation bids for big projects worldwide um, on infrastructure. So that's how that's how I got in. And I got the the luck, I would say, or the timing, uh, the coincidence, I guess it's being at the right time um, and in the right mood. I, I got to work with the, um, the guy who actually wrote the manual of terminal concessions. Terminal concessions meaning everything that you see in an airport that's, uh, you know, all your shops and your car rental, your car parking, those are all concessions. So, so, no, so when you say when you say a manual, you mean that there is like a, a system that you have to abide yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not, see, that's, yeah. that's not common knowledge to people. Exactly. So it's like, mm. well, like a manual for anything, right? This was like, mm. how do you how do you approach terminal concessions? How do you uh, do the concession planning? So knowing what shop goes where, why, um, looking at the passenger behaviors, looking at how those influence the allocation of space and also the offering, uh, the product mix, the, the brands that you get in an airport. Uh, so quite, a, of, quite a bit of um, behavioral psychology involved as well, if that's uh, understanding. Mm. Yeah, you look into that because, you know, it's the, the shopping behavior then ultimately reflects into the spend and it's the spend per passenger that ultimately hits the bottom line of an airport. Interesting. So, yeah. so you advise on the commercialization of the, uh, of, of the airports and the user experience. I mean, I think we're, we're all aware of how when we're walking through that duty-free, it's almost like you're walking through a curve of seduction. There's some sweets there, there's some perfumes <laughs> there. Is that is that all your designer, Anna? <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah. I, I actually tell friends that they can blame me for that. It's actually called the walkthrough concept. And it's, it, yeah, it's, I, I like the way you put it, like a... A curve well, of seduction. What was it? A, yeah, a curve of seduction. I'm not sure I can use that into due diligence reports, but it, I really like it. <laughs> well, there you go. If anything's come from this already, you, you've got you've got that. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Noted. Okay. Yeah. So, so well, you, you, yeah, that's, how, that's how I got into it, and I and mm-hmm. I developed a specialization in it, working just on that but on various airports in various regions of the world and traveling a lot and taking a lot of responsibility and so after doing that for about four years I didn't know whether being a consultant is all that I wanted to do or that was the thing that actually fit me and my way of working best so what it ended up uh, then I got poached by Sabre which is a travel technology company and I worked in innovation. I built their innovation program for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Um, and that's what got me to liaise with a lot of startups in London and beyond. Um, so that kind of reignited my initial passion, which was technology. While I was doing that, I realized how much entrepreneurship was drawing me and how being in a corporate and a nine-to-five didn't really fit who I was or how I liked to work. And that's when I took the risk and um, started my own company after about two years there, which, thank God, has been going and growing for the past four years now. With with that, let's just jump in with that, because as you said, you, the word you that sprang out to me was the risk. Was the risk, was the real risk doing it or was the risk not doing it at all now that you've done it? <laughs> 
I think the biggest risk was not doing it at all. I think, and right. that's something that kind of contributed to my decision back then, because I thought, you know, if I don't do it, I'll always regret it. But right. if I, um, and then if I do it, what have I got to lose? Like my entire experience, I'll be able to reapply it just in a different job should I have the need to do that. But, you know, when when you get the grip of it and you get the flavor of it, you'd realize that you would do anything to make it work in the long term. You just don't want to go back. You don't want to step back. Um, there's that attitude of, you know, in the first year, I kind of thought, okay, I do have a plan B. Whatever happens, I'll just mm-hmm. go back to employment. Uh, but after that, you realize that you've got plan A. And there's, plan no, there's no going yeah, back. <laughs> plan I think that's the thing that kind of, you know, pushes yeah. you to, to stick to it and put more work if needed. I, I want to, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be asking you more of like the lifestyle questions towards the end of this. But, I, but as we're talking about this right now, what I feel is important to sort of share is by breaking away of that nine to five structure, what did it allow you to do in terms of your lifestyle design? Because I know that's something you do very well. Well, I think the flexibility is what really made a change because I'm not one person that works from, you know, in a definite period of time. And I think that's why consulting really fit me before getting into corporate uh, because, well, basically I was working all the time. But I don't I don't fit within a certain hour and I, I, I go by whatever I need to do, I'll get it done as opposed to I'll get done what I can do by five and the rest I'll do tomorrow. Uh, so I think the the flexibility of of hours uh, that I put in, and obviously the rewards that I get out, because you know being in consulting, I ended up working for a lot of hours, and then when you were to split that by the monthly salary, you would realize that the benefit was per hour was incredibly small, um, mm-hmm. because yeah, you end up doing putting in a lot of hours if you have the the drive the ambition the passion for what you're doing and you don't necessarily count them uh but when you do work for yourself then at least you can get various projects in uh and yes you end up having no free time especially in the first years or because it's a very peaky type of business so sometimes you get a lot of work sometimes it's a lot more mellow um but yeah, I think the flexibility is something that really fit who I am, and also being able to work from anywhere. Yeah, um, well, I, I see, I see on Instagram sometimes. I, I mean, your your office is like the the, the bench on Equinox. <laughs> exactly. You <laughs> like know, you've got that you sort of level of flexibility. You know, you need. I personally work like that. I I'm not yeah. one that needs to be stuck to an office. I don't have to be stuck in a certain country. Um, of course, if I have to be on client site, then I'll do that. Like I lived for three months in Ecuador. I lived in Brazil as well, uh, being seconded on projects. So in that sense, I would do have to be on site, but, or with colleagues that I'm working, but other, otherwise I don't have to be. So that's when it really makes a difference. Where do you see everything going right now in terms of the travel industry? It's a big question mark hanging over. I mean, I, I listened to an interview, uh, the other day when you're talking to the gent there. And um, to my surprise, you said there's been no better time for airports right now. Could you explain that to us a little bit? Well, I think you got the very positive side of that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> wish right. it were that simple, but it's not that simple. Okay, I don't explain. think, well, you know, to give a bit of context, prior to COVID hitting, IATA, which is the International Air Transport Association, which is the biggest association in, in air travel, um, was forecasting a doubling of the current air traffic uh, to almost 8 billion in less than two decades. So by 2036, I think it was. Uh, as of last year, we were at about four annual, 4 billion annual passengers worldwide. Uh, and it was growing at an impressive speed, uh, looking at some regions like Asia Pacific, more than 50% of that growth was coming from region from the Asia Pacific uh, region. Wow. You were looking at, at subsequent uh, double digit year on year growth in air passenger, in air traffic, uh, in countries like Indonesia, Thailand, Thailand uh, Philippines, you know, it's it's countries that not only have the geographical structure, which requires air travel because a lot of them are islands, mm -hmm. uh, but also you have an increasing middle class that now affords to travel. So, so, was, so travel has been more affordable exactly. over the years. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, there are two factors there, both the increase in, in purchasing power uh, and spending power because of the increase in GDP per capita in some of the countries, but especially in the develop, developing countries, but also the lowering of airfares uh, because of the increase in comp competitiveness. There's more airlines, more routes, more options, the, the um, rise of the low cost or new genera generation airlines, the way we like to call them, um, you know, your EasyJet, your Ryanair, uh, Lion Air, for example, in, in Asia Pacific, uh, Azul in Brazil. So mm -hmm. these airlines have changed very much the model in which we travel. And, you know, in Europe, for example, it's in many cases, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot cheaper to fly over to Paris, for example, from London, then to take the Eurostar, which is a train, right? And we would have never imagined that. So because of all these factors, traffic was growing spectacularly. And we were talking about issues that infrastructure, airport infrastructure will eventually have just because they couldn't cope with it. So we were talking about moving certain processes off airports, such as checking in or dropping your luggage uh, locations maybe in the city center and having that delivered so that you don't overcrowd the the airport infrastructure wow. and you know that has a certain capacity now it's funny we have to think about very much the same Getting people concept, back. but in a completely different context right now we we have to not overcrowd the the airport uh, infrastructure so that you know, we can respect rules of social distancing and right. health, safety and all of that. So that's why, you know, whereas before when traffic was growing at such a such a rapid pace, we couldn't we had to think in terms of, OK, how do we alleviate the, the, the infrastructure? How do we alleviate the capacity so that we can still deliver a great passenger experience? Um, and everything was doing was being done in a reactive formula. So 
build a new terminal, uh, expand the runway, you know, look at Gatwick. Gatwick is the largest airport in the world in terms of passenger volume that operates with just a single runway. Wow. So normally at, at, at 2019 air traffic levels in, um, in, in Gatwick, you would need at least two or three runways. They have, they had 45 million annual passengers, right? So you would need that. And they were operating with just one runway and they were using one of the taxiways as a parallel runway sometimes for takeoff or landing. So what I'm saying is that a lot of what was being done was being done in a reactive manner. Whereas now, the reason I made that statement that now airports have the opportunity to look at the, um, to take basically, to look at travel and to look at how they articulate the, the infrastructure needs and how they combine those with the passenger needs in a way that's almost like a blank slate. We're looking at air traffic that's fallen up to, I don't know, 95%. There are airports that are operating. That's incredible. Yeah. So that is pretty incredible. And nothing, nothing ever could have provided, and we would have never imagined this, you know, nothing could have ever provided uh, such a situation in which you are able to rethink from a blank slate your processes, hoping that there will be a rebound of travel. And a lot of the airline CEOs are saying that it will take two, three, maybe four years uh, to to recover to the pre-COVID levels, to 2019 levels. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <clears throat> you know, what, what's going to? I mean, how many how many airlines do you think are in trouble right now? All of them. All of them, and like, yeah. who do you think are going to be the stayers, and who do you think are going to be like getting bailed out? The ones that are pretty much like the gov- the 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 national airlines, right? The ones I think. That, like, the- airlines you would think would stay and they will they will receive the backing and if you look in the US most airlines have received a lot of backing and yeah. I think and in the UK as well and they will still do that uh, but you know you look at Copa Airlines the the national airline from from Panama you look at Latam which are big airlines that have a big presence in South America and and they make the connection between the Americas and, you know, those have gone bankrupt. Um, so I think there's still to see. So for anyone that's kind of rushing into, you know, buying airline stocks just because they're at such a discount, it's very risky. It, yeah. it might, you know, it might provide, I mean, the volatility is incredibly high. It's incredibly risky. It's still like they're burning millions of cash a day. The entire... Yeah, Fleets are grounded, and even when they start, or some of them have restarted operations, you're still operating with a minimal, minimal capacity. And you know there's still requirements, or they're still talking about leave, leaving the middle seat empty. Or it's still very many things that will that will require that 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 the capacity within the, the airlines is diminished, severely diminished. And, you know, that from an operational perspective, but even if we look from a passenger perspective, like I'm not really ready to take a long haul flight right now, and I'm not sure many of us are. And, you know, in Europe, for example, we have all those, especially during summer, we have the weekend trips to 
you know, summer destinations, even if we take a long weekend, for example. But right now, I think what most of the people that I know have done have literally taken the rest of the summer. They Even if they've taken a flight, they will take one out in July and probably one in in September. That's about it. Right, right. So you don't well, have that that rapid movement that we used to see. And coming out of this, then let, let's let's look at things in <laughs> more of a, a, a hopeful and, and positive light. Um, you're a well-traveled individual, right? You, you've seen many places. Now let's break it up for for people that are looking for somewhere new to travel, perhaps when things hopefully get back to normal. Where do you feel are some some top top places to go if you are in a relationship? Somewhere to take your your girlfriend or your boyfriend? Dominican Republic. <laughs> that is the top of the list right now. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, I think something that's worth discovering is Brazil. Yeah. I've lived in Brazil, absolutely loved it. Yes, it has some scary places, but... One of the video was breathtaking. Yeah, I think yeah that is when Chile was pretty amazing as well. So I would you know I'm I'm a big fan of South America, and yeah. I know that you know a lot of people um, that are in our social circle prefer to travel to either Caribbean um, if they want to go further, or they stay close and they do your you know your. Uh, typical summer Mediterranean summer holidays like Greece, you know, the Greek islands, Mykonos and stuff, and mm-hmm. Ibiza and south of France and south of Spain. So there's a lot of, or Algarve in Portugal. Um, and those are, I think, obviously closer and within an easier reach. But yeah. the, moment, the moment that you want to be a little bit more adventurous and go out. There is a lot that that South America really has to offer. I actually prefer it to to Asia Pacific. I've been to Thailand. I've been to Indonesia. Yes, the service is incredible both there and here. But um, yeah, for me, I, I do prefer the countries here. Ecuador has beautiful places as well. I, I remember when I first met you. I, I thought you were from Ecuador or South America. I remember <laughs> probably because, uh, because everyone must. Say. Yeah, because right, right, I, right, right. I was there for about for over three months, and I really, uh, and I probably had immersed just yourself of, in the culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though you it's know, very, it's you very think, you though. It's very you because I can see that it's very sort of active and outgoing sort of lifestyle there. I can see how you could really like fit in there. Yeah, that's why I think I really like South America because it's it's you know the people are great, food is great. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of vitality. You went out to Indonesia, right, to build an airport over there? Yes. Was it Indonesia? Indonesia so, and, and Thailand, yeah. Yeah. Where do you feel is, like, still an unspoilt location that isn't, like, completely overspilled of tourism that we could still, like, check out? I mean, that, that, you know, Cuba was, you know, there's a everyone was going over to Cuba because it's not quite spoilt yet. Yeah. Um, is there any other sort of spots like that that, that come to mind? Mm. Closer, I think there is some, you know, if we look at something that's closer to London, that then you would look at some of the islands in Greece, because everyone mm-hmm. now goes to, you know, Mykonos and Paros, but um, 
there's, you know, Antiparos and there's some other smaller, really small ones that are pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you want to, you know, venture out closer. Um, and I think further out, it's kind of hard to say because I feel like the places that I've been to, I haven't necessarily seen something that was completely raw. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, you know, that's the reason of building new airports because people can then travel to new places that right yeah. now don't have them, so you can't actually get there. So like, yeah. out of all people, if something is like on the up, you're going to be the first there to see it. Well, that sounds pretty good. If it happens, then I'm happy. <laughs> so the, the user experience, um, you know, we touched upon it there. You mentioned about how it's going to look, you know, perhaps there's going to be like you you have to have a seat in the middle between passengers and stuff like that. Um, prior to all of this, could you tell us about how, obviously, and we spoke about the, you know, in the, in the, um, the commercial frontage of the airports, you know, that's obviously a user experience. Is there other, is there any other angles of, uh, as a user that you've contributed, uh, that you've contributed to for the user? Uh, sure. I think, you know, there's a lot of technologies that are currently being implemented at airports. Uh, we social media Social the- media was something that uh, you, you've really looked into, right, and, and explored. I, I did, and this was about, yeah. you know, nine years ago when social media was just Taking off. Uh, was starting to be looked at by airports, and that's when we interviewed I don't know, 20, 30 of them. And that's when we wrote, uh, I co-authored a publication that was specifically on the use of social media for airports and how they actually get to use it in view of passenger engagement. And it was just then that we were talking about, you know, using Twitter for for customer service. Um, But now, you know, technology in the pre-COVID era was very much looked at um, so that not only it would aid with some of the processes, such as uh, the way I was highlighting before, so that, you know, capacity is alleviated. So we were looking at biometric travel, um, biometric boarding, so that, you know, you you process the cues in a much faster way. Um, the The, you know, having new x-ray machines at the security uh, points so that you wouldn't have to take your liquids out again in order to make the process be a lot more uh, a lot faster Maybe, yeah. um, so we were looking at, at a lot of those technologies that ultimately what they do is you know help and improve the passenger experience uh, because the biggest pain point I think for all of us travelers is that security point yeah, uh, especially when like you took a long a long haul flight, L A for example. I mean, it's hit and miss. Sometimes you can breeze for it, but like God, I've sat there for so long, and it's just like the one thing that you're dreading on the plane. Like I hope that queue is is not how it is. Exactly. You know, like it is exactly. So that's and, that's yeah. one. Uh, but especially, but now in the post COVID era, I think technology is really paramount. Like we will not sure. be able to actually travel without it and there are airports like 
DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth in the US that are trialing just because uh, they are at about 40% down from the peak last year. So they're actually one of the ones that are doing really well. And that's because American Airlines has chosen Dallas, Fort Worth to be their hub there for connecting uh, operations. Um, so their travel, their their passenger traffic is not as low as it happens with many other airports. Even though what has been what has picked up a lot more is domestic as opposed to international travel, and I think that's a trend that will continue. Uh, back to your question, you know what what's it going to be in the next months or or year? That's what's going to be international will be probably the last one to rebound. Um, so they, DFW, are um, looking at a lot of technologies that would help the passenger journey be not only health proof and safe safety proof, uh, but also somewhat enjoyable. So from what was there before, such as biometric boarding, so that means that you don't have to touch anything; your your face is being read. Um, and that is being checked against your password data and you can do your biometrics so you don't have to, That we call it touchless travel, um, all the way to touchless restrooms so with, that you don't have to touch absolutely anything and that, you know, the, the personnel that is in charge of the cleaning list and all that are, um, are being... Um, um, advice, uh, they're being announced through sensors of the products that are missing, for example. Right. So, and, 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 and it's what's great about a lot of this technology is now being implemented that this is stuff that's likely to stay. Yeah. You know, and then streamline yeah. all these like processes. So, like, it's so many, like, it's a huge negative, obviously, but like, it's moved us. I keep on saying it whenever I have a guest on, like, we are we have been moved towards the virtual space no, no matter what industry you're in and that more yeah. of a technology tech, as you say like without the tech we wouldn't be able to get through it well we i'm sure we'd get through it but it'd be a lot more challenging yeah and it, as you say it's here to stay and i was reading the other day that you know the way various um pandemic um contexts have changed the way we live um, and one of the things that has changed a lot is is architecture, for example, the way we design spaces. Um, you know, in uh, after the the I think it was tuberculosis or one of the big pandemics back in the day uh, was caused because of germs and because of too much dust and because of dirt. So, if you look at how the architecture and the interior design has modernized. Uh, a lot of it has has been a result of that. So really interesting perspective, having yeah. corners and complications like you go in in Rome or even in London, right? We have the architecture is very minutious, is very beautiful to look at, but it's clearly not health proof just because That's of true, what yeah. it can it, it it amasses, right? So we look now and we call it modern architecture or modern interior design. Well, the reason is that is because now we're looking at, you know, everything is open space. Everything is curvy as opposed to angly. So, and, you know, when I read it, I was like, it actually all makes sense. So I yeah. think we'll see a parallel to that into the way 
airports are designed in the way um, air- aircraft is designed, I think it will it will make a big change from what we've seen before. And the more it actually lasts, the and the more rebounds of this of these waves of of COVID are coming back, I think the the more long lasting the effects. Yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting perspective in terms of the uh, what you're talking about the architecture of the the design of furniture and stuff. That completely makes sense. Uh, oh, and what I wanted to ask you as well is, um, you know, as someone who is, is very well traveled. Do you do you still travel heavy, or have you learned over the years to travel quite light? I mean, I know it's always going to be challenging for a woman, but <laughs> all the shoes and I don't know dresses, but I don't know. You're you're a special individual. What what which which version of yourself are you? If I travel for business, I I and it's less than five days, then I do travel just with a carry on, yeah. uh, and I try. I have my own method of packing and because I don't like to check in luggage. If I travel for business, I need to make sure that I have everything I'm, that I I'm need. Luggage gets lost or whatever, I have everything there. Um, but if I go on holiday, then for sure, I'm not, I, yeah, I do have a checked in bag or two. <laughs> a bag of two, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> no, what, what, is, it shoes, is, is it one for the shoes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes. my god! I, I, I'm a woman. If that if that weren't true, I, I'm the same. I mean, when I when I land, I, I just like to be you know have a carry on and poof, I'm off. I don't yes. want to sit there waiting for the bag and delay. Uh, I remember I did a trip to to LA one year, and I just I flew over just all my stuff in a messenger bag. I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, it was very well packed. You know, well, um, listen, like you... I was trying to prove something to myself, and yeah. I guess, you know, the, whatever, the concept of minimalist living, mm. it's something that once in a lifetime, every one of us has to, has to try. I mean, Absolutely. you know, I've been, I've been in the Dominican Republic for four months now, over, over four months, and I'm still with the same suitcase. So I think in that sense, overpacking was actually useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what, I, what, I, what, I, what is your, your must have thing to pack no matter what the trip a suit and a suit and a bikini yeah i can relate yeah. not the bikini because bit, because i never yeah. know you know if i have to go into a meeting or if i'm on a holiday destination and from there i can't fi- fly back home and i have to go straight to somewhere else and a bikini because you know you can always swim anywhere yeah 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 let's let's go into the um more of your lifestyle elements then as well. So uh, I think what you told me before, and, you know, I always like to research people when before I meet them anyway. So I obviously did that before I met you that time. And uh, and, and you, you shared with me that you used to organize like a nightly run. I don't know if it was in partnership with Nike or was it Nike? It was Under Armour back in the day. Under Armour, that's the one. Yeah. Um, which I think is such a great thing. It's such a great thing because I feel like, especially with the work that I do, you know, I'm helping people improve them, improve their social confidence and expand their social circles. And I always say that meeting someone should be the byproduct of something you're already doing and enjoying. And uh, I think what you did there was a great example to be set for 
doing exactly that. You know, I mean, could you, could you, were there, how many, how many social elements came out of being the organizer of that? Was it a nightly activity or just a weekly activity? It was, it was, well, it was a group and it still is Mm -hmm. just with launching my own business. I didn't have the time to dedicate to it because it was all voluntary back in the day. Um, The group is called Midnight Runners. Our Mm -hmm. chapter and the way we started was London Midnight Runners. Uh, We did run at midnight once a month. I joined the group when it was very small and eventually from the early days became became a leader of it uh, together with the co-founders back then. Um, Just just naturally adopted that role. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I got, you know... I got involved in it a lot. I put a lot of my time and I really enjoyed what I was doing and having mm. been, you know, having loved sports my entire life, I think that really fit like a glove. And I really loved the social element of it. I loved the fact that we were actually through being social and fun and welcoming, we got to get a lot of people running again or getting healthy, getting fit. And yeah. so it had, it had a, a purpose to it. And I think that's what um, made me invest so much of my time and, and, and passion into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus I was doing what I was loving because I was, you know, running anyway and I was doing sports anyway. So having a lot of people do it with us, I think is what, um, it was something that, that came naturally indeed. Yeah. So it was a, uh, we started with with very few people and then we ended up running on, you know, a regular Tuesday evening. Uh, we had over 300 people running on the streets of London. 300 was, people what, what, yeah. in your group? Yeah. It was it like was a mini, mini marathon, like going through London. That's crazy. Exactly. I would, I, mean, I would shit myself. If I'm like on a night out in Soho and there's 300 people running at me of Under Armour gear. Yeah, it happened a lot because, and we were loud, you know, and I think that's another thing that really attracted people to join us because we were sponsored by Logitech and we were all carrying speakers and we had Spotify playlists that we would share in between us and then we would all start at the same time. So Did you you sort out the sponsorship for that? No, it was was sorted out by one of the the group, yeah. So when I joined, we already... Great initiative. Great it was really amazing. And then, you know, Under Armour saw us as a voice in the community and they saw us as a platform to promote their products. And what better way to do it uh, than through people that are actually there in the community and, you know, they wear your stuff and they can promote it. Uh, so they got um, they got a few of us, a few of the leaders onto a running camp all the way in Colorado. Um you're and, you're, you're yeah, a Instagram a influencer, Anna. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we were Under Armour ambassadors. Uh, now the group is sponsored by Reebok, but back then it was it was uh, Under Armour. Uh, we got to do a lot of trails back in the US, and we did photo shoots, and uh, yeah, and that was part of the adventure. And then because the group was so uh, was so fun and energetic. Um, I got to do things that I never thought I would do. Like I did an ultra marathon in the mountains. I did the Barcelona wow. marathon. I did. What's an you know, ultra? Marathon. What's an ultra marathon? 
Uh, what I well, it's anything that's above the marathon distance. So anything twenty-four that's miles, above, about twenty-four yeah. miles. Yeah. Yeah, twenty-six miles is a marathon. Twenty-six point one. Uh, twenty-six. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but what I did was called the original mountain marathon. It's called the Om, and it's the uh, toughest adventure race in the UK. So it's a different route. It's cross country. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow. pretty. Different animal altogether. Have no, all you have is a topographic map, and you have a compass, and you have to figure out where you're going. You have it's like an orienteering, self-supported race over two days, and um, yeah, you have to make sure that you return to the starting camp before you know before an allocated time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, I think, and that's what. That's something that I would have never done had I not been part of the Midnight Runners because it was something that was, you know, we love to challenge ourselves and we would challenge yeah. one another. And uh, and I think at that point, it wasn't even any more about physical ability. It was about your capability to to go beyond the limits that you think you had and, and see how far you can go and how far you can push. And it was a lot. It became, you know, mental as opposed to necessarily just physical. Obviously, Some, health, but yeah. what, you know, when when I've been running, and I, you know, I, my father was a very avid uh, fitness fanatic, um, so I, I learned a lot from him. And I think you you also share that as well. Yeah. Um, what I I always feel there's a lot of crossover from sports, like especially running. You know, when you, when it's like it's mental and physical, you, you think, okay, my, are my physically are my legs given up no it's mentally i'm just trying to talk myself out of it and then you create a different story in your head and you and you push through that mental barrier and yeah. you achieve that distance and i feel it's just the same with business you know like we have these hurdles oh. that pop up in business and you're telling yourself a story as to why perhaps it's that horrible word can't do something you change it to the can or the how the how is my unlock and, yeah. and then you, you have the ability yeah. to, to jump over the hurdle. Why is it hurdle? Yeah. Because we're always going forward, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just, there's so many um, transferable um, attributes. Um, but you're so right. And I, I, I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better. And, you know, when I was, I was just telling the story to someone here uh, the other day uh, that, you know, the, the way that, I managed to go through that race when at 6 a.m. I had to run up from a valley all the way up to the top of the mountain because uh, that's where we had been overnight in a tent. Um, that's actually the story that I was telling myself. I was saying I was making the parallel between life and that particular race and how, you know, it's how if you push through, then you achieve uh another plateau and another plateau and you can actually look back and realize how far you've gone and i think that's something that a lot of us tend to forget and absolutely absolutely that's it sometimes we look back with regret as opposed to looking and saying oh i have i didn't do this i didn't do that as opposed to looking back and saying uh look how far i've gone and because we forget what you know what our initial goals are were we just go isn't it incredible how like the the, the brain is just wired to to the what we don't have and and the negative it's just by default and if you don't have that positive coping mechanism to remind yourself of your 
your, you know, your steps up the ladder or the symbols of success. That's why a trophy or a certificate, you know, it seems a ridiculous thing to possess, but actually it has its purpose yeah. because it, it, it's, it's a symbol of something that you've done, you know, yeah. as little as that, you know, it's, it's, you need it, you need it. Even that we kind of put it on a shelf and we let it catch dust, you know, it, yeah. I think it, it, life really needs those moments and probably this pandemic should have served for that. And I, I've stayed incredibly throughout. And I actually focused particularly in in all my discussions with friends or people that I know, we were a lot talking about, Hey, this is really a platform that enables us to rethink where we've gotten to, what we've achieved, what is it that we want to achieve? How do our priorities look like? And you know, how is it that we can get to those in a way that is sustainable and in a way that is self-feeding? Again, it starts from that how, that how question. How opens up the possibilities and it allows you to come up with solutions. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the calm, it shuts the mind down. You know, it doesn't allow growth. Um, Immediately. I'm, I, I'm just... Uh, I'm just conscious of the time we're running on. We've got like 10 minutes left. So there's a few more things I want to kind of speak about. And I think like what you're incredibly motivated, Oana. Like, do do you feel that, um, do you feel that that's just part of one's DNA or do you feel that that's something that comes elsewhere? Do you think it's learned? I think it's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Um, I can only... Well, from my experience, it has been part of the DNA. That's how I was brought up. But, you know, my 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 parents and especially my dad did a great job at instilling that in me. I was three years old and I would, you know, I would always say whenever I was facing an effort, I was saying, Wana can do it. So I didn't even say I can do it. I said, Wana can do it. So Wana was this persona that I had created that was able uh, and capable. And that's something that I have to thank my dad because he was the one that kind of made that and, and put that concept in. I love, I, I love that straight away. <laughs> it's not even like, it's just a response. It's not, it don't even allow your mind to, it's just a response, automatic response. Yeah. Who can do this? I want to can do this. I can, <laughs> like, yeah. boom, like, go I don't and know, do it. Like Great. a toy would break, right? Or something. And I'd be like, no, no, no. I want to fix it. Break. So, or, and, that. and that's something that I really have to thank, thank my dad. He's, he's the one that put a lot of confidence in me. And there was no, there was no, I think, you know, it, it was teaching me the, the difference between the right and wrong and not necessarily the how, but giving me the, the basis on, on what I can judge and giving me the tools to judge with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I think when you have a degree of confidence, a degree of self-confidence, that's the way that that will very much serve into finding that depth of self-motivation, um, because you're confident that you will achieve it. You're confident that you will be able to, to do it. Um, if you lack that, then you kind of try to source it in different ways and from different people. And you tend to relate yourself with someone else and copy, which is great, but it can only get you to a certain point. Uh, 
you have to ultimately bring it on into yourself and then manifest it as if it's yours. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. I mean, what my, I guess the one thing I got from uh, we get many things from you know our parents, but um, Awana can do it. My Awana can do it was uh, there is no such word as can't. There is exactly. no such word as can't like that, and that that is so. Every time, like when I'm coaching and I hear that, oh, I can't do it, I'm very triggered by that. Yeah, you know, and I also like my father's voice comes out of me. You know, like, <laughs> so there's no such that, word as can. <laughs> yeah, I, I see you've had a, a similar experience. The thing is that yeah. our brain is such a funny place. It's such a such a funny thing. I've, I think it's the organ that I'm most passionate about. And I find as my biggest value out of all together with the heart. It's so easy for the brain to play tricks on us that we don't even understand. The We are built in a way that the subconscious does 95% of the, of the job on a daily basis versus the conscious that does about 5% of the job and the thinking. So the, what the, why is that? Because the subconscious works on patterns and patterns are things that we will have learned throughout our lives and as you as we all know the the moment that you have patterns it means that you don't have to consciously think a lot so that means yeah. that, that the brain's capacity and and amount of work is greatly that's, diminished right yeah. so that's why the brain being this funny thing that doesn't like to work much actually prefers comfort zone, prefers patterns, uh, prefers habits, just so that it doesn't have to always restructure itself to do a new thinking, a new type of thinking. Um, So the moment that motivation comes in, the moment that a behavioral change kicks in, is only if we if we try to use as much of the conscious thinking as we as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's you know, it's, it, the, the change and the click is done. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's the the repetition gives you familiarity, which can lessen your thinking. And when you when you're able to lessen your thinking, you know, what have you done? You've increased your skills, so the fear of whatever that task was then goes down. Exactly. Um, that's something I share with my clients. Something that I ask everyone that that I do a live with is two questions. Okay. And the first question is this. If you're on if you were given the option of having your last meal, right, before you go on death row, what would it be? Like it would never happen. It would never happen. So don't give me that look. But I'm I'm curious as to, you know, what meal would you pick? A fruit platter with figs, uh, pineapple and mango. And a side of dark chocolate. Oh God, dark chocolate is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. So, I, I hope my trainer isn't watching. But I just had. Uh, I, I I just smashed a lint like roof <laughs> tile, roof tile size of dark chocolate, and I'm not sorry for it. Don't even talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> God. Okay, I like that one. I like that's very healthy. That's, that's very healthy. That's very you. I like that. Okay, next question then is, if you had a host a dinner party, guests past and present, you know, been and gone, uh, who would you have around the table? 
if I were to host the party. Mm -hmm. um, hmm, that's a good one. Uh, Salvador Dali. Mm -hmm. uh, Michelle Obama. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trump. Trump, okay, yeah. Uh, my father. Yeah. My sister. Yeah. Um, who else would I have? Uh, Gabrielle Chanel. Okay. Elon Musk. Great. And Jeff Bezos. Great. That, that's a that's a strong guest list. <laughs> I like that because it's a mixture of like you know fa family orientated um, evening as well of some some people that I can see, I can I can tell you want to kind of pick their brains and kind of understand how they work. I like that. Thank God yeah. you didn't say Hitler. So many people have said Hitler <laughs> because they just want to understand what the hell went. You know what what was this being like? What the hell? You know? I don't think a dinner would help you understand that. <laughs> I think you might be incinerated before you actually get to main course. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> oh, Anna, hasn't this been hasn't this been been fantastic? I've really enjoyed this. I did too, very yeah. much. Yeah, I, 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 I think like. You know, when you said an hour, I'm like, what are we going to talk for an hour? And I feel like we have barely scratched the surface. Exactly. There's always so much to talk about. You know, um, you ask the right questions, you get the right answers, right? Well, that's, that's down to you. So kudos to you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so if, if anyone is in like the aerospace industry or um, interested to be more inspired about, you know, fitness and the, the stuff you got going on over there, um, you know, or if it's anything that you want to kind of use this time to sort of add and share, because it's obviously going on as, as a podcast as well. Um, yeah, where where can people find you and uh, in in those in that respect, and what where else I'm can open, they learn? I'm I'm very open to, and I've always been, just because that's what I've learned from my mentors, um, life and business. I, I'm very open to helping and I think that's something that very much feeds me and, you know, I get a lot of messages saying, oh, you inspire so much and what I feel is that I am inspired to inspire. I feel like if there's, if there's no feedback, then even do, though I do that because that's how I, I am, it kind of, and how I feel, it really, uh, I get encouraged to even more of it. Uh, the moment that I see that there's there's people that are hungry to receive it, uh, and mm -hmm. on the back of that, I always you know get inspiration myself uh, yeah. from the, from others, uh, from people like you, for example. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm you know I'm there on Instagram. My my account is open. I'm there on LinkedIn. I'm there on uh, you know stuff that I've written or stuff that I've published or conferences that I've spoken to, spoken at, um, you know, YouTube, there's, you know, just type my name in Google, yeah. see what comes up and there, there's stuff that you want to, uh, know more about or have a chat or, uh, you know, even a business opportunity. There are a lot of, uh, people that, you know, startup founders that kind of get to me and want to pick my brain or want to work with me as an advisor um then i'm very happy to do that too and open doors as well 
So it's uh, because of the various things that I've done through life, but still maintaining um, maintaining um, a base around, you know, travel, entrepreneurship, fitness, nutrition. These have kind of been uh, my passions throughout and what I've invested most of my time and, and acquired most knowledge in. Then, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to kind of share the knowledge. Um with whoever wants to excellent that's that's it. very that's very given of you Alana. bless you well there you go guys and we just like one minute one and a half minutes down Alana. so um listen thank you thank you for coming on like it's been great i that see that there is uh, john you see that there is a question from anya she says how to break those patterns so past patterns that's a i think that's the that's the bit that kind of makes the difference you know between who we were and who we can be and who we want to be. I think the, the first thing to do is to understand where is it that you're not the way you actually, what is, what is the version of yourself that you want to be? And what are the things that you currently do that stop you from being that? And while you look into that, understand which ones are real reasons and which ones are excuses, right? So I'll give an example. For example, when I was at um, lead, uh, one of the leaders of Midnight Runners, a real, a real reason for me not being able to continue being a lead, leader of the group was because my business had to take priority because I was developing it, so I had to put all my time into that. Now, an excuse could have been, well, I have this project that I'm working on and... Um, you know, I, I don't have time. And I think time is a big excuse that we very, very easily and loosely use. Um, and it's one that we can correct with just understanding what our priorities are. The moment we understand what our priorities are, we create an agenda and we make sure that we stick to that agenda as if it were imposed by someone else. So I think even the idea of creating a persona that we want to be and understanding what is it that that persona has to do for us to get there is a first good step. In terms of breaking a habit is actually tricking the brain. And there is a good, I don't remember her name. Um, there's a good uh, video on YouTube that's called the three second or the five second trick. And uh, what's her name? I don't remember her name. But the, what she talks about is how she's broken the habit of snoozing in the morning. And the way that she broke that habit was counting down from, you know, when, when the alarm went off, she would say, okay, three, two, one, and she was up. So she... she Exactly, Marina. Mel Robbins. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so that's the way that you actually, you have to trick your brain. You have to understand, as we were saying before, that it's so easy to, for the brain to get comfortable. If you want to get out of that comfort zone, then you have to trick it. And the way you trick it is by, is by, holding yourself accountable and if you cannot hold yourself accountable then you get someone else to hold you accountable and also um 
acknowledging every single victory that you have. So let's say, you know, a lot of people uh, find it very difficult to find motivation to work out. Um, and I, I just put a post the other day saying, you know, and what is the, if it's not how I will feel, because, you know, it sucks when you do it, it might hurt. But if you think about the after effect, and if you think about how you will feel after you're done with it, that is something that will um, will give you the motivation to do it. Secondly, you can put it in your agenda as a meeting, and you say, "Okay, at two o'clock, I'm going to work that, out." That's, some, no that's something that uh, I got from you, actually. It's um, I think we Did spoke about. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll tell you about my kind of hack to this in a moment. But I think when we spoke, when we sat down that time, I think we spoke about. Um, you know, there's not enough time in the day to get everything done. And I always put my clients first before my time. And obviously that was my excuse. And the solution to that was, well, put in the diary, because I was putting, if I saw a space in the diary, I would put that available to my clients for them to work with me. So what I wasn't doing was putting time in the diary for myself, a meeting mm -hmm. with myself. And that meeting with myself might just be at the gym or if you're not into that it might just be with your family or it might just be with your friends or your loved ones or whatever but if you're not putting that time in the diary then you're going to give it away to someone else um something something that i'll, I'll jump in on and, and i think you everything you said you know is fantastic there um and i think we all kind of went through this was everyone lost momentum when this kind of lockdown hit, you know, where people were kind of out of schedule, out of sync with how they usually do things. And, you know, me also. And um, I thought, well, how do we, how do I hack this? How do we get back into some sort of rhythm? And I went back to basics and I had to set myself a very strict schedule. And that was six o'clock in the morning start. You know, I, I have breakfast at seven I have lunch at 12, I have dinner at seven. And then I thought, right, well, I can't get to a gym. So what do I do? And again, back to having that someone to make you accountable. Yeah. Right? I called up my friend who's a personal trainer. I said, look, let's make a commitment right now of training five times a week for the next month. And so far, I'm on like four months of doing this. And Congrats. thank you. And not only am I in the best shape of my life, without mm. even walking into a gym, just through training in the park. But my diet has been the best it's ever been. Um, I've been more productive. You know, I'm I'm not staying in bed till like 10 in the morning. Yeah. You know, I'm up, at, yeah, I've got to be up at six. Mm. Right, I've, I've got to be up at six because that's what my schedule says. And if I don't wake up at six, I'm not only letting myself down, I'm letting my trainer down. I'm letting my clients down. I'm letting, and that goes into all the choices that you have as well, you know. Exactly all right, I'll go out and be social, but I'm not going to drink five. I'm not going to have five drinks and not be able to get up in the morning. You know, I may go out, have a drink and go home at this time because I've got that commitment there in the morning. And again, I think for me, what motivates me to get out of a, a funk, get out of a pattern that isn't great um, is think about what is the consequence of not doing this? Exactly. So the, the, con the consequence for me of not, working out or, or figuring out a fitness hack through this period is yeah. me coming out weaker and sloppier 
And I just can't have that. I can't can't be presenting myself as that dude, especially in the field of my work. Exactly. about me. Like, what? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you've said very well. I was going to say exactly that. And the fact that you have to understand what the downside of it is and what what happens if you don't do it. Because it's so easy to not do things. It's so easy to fit within your comfort zone. But what is it that what happens if you don't do it? And not only in the short, short term, I think many in, you know, in the, in the convoluted way that we used to live, uh, we'll probably end up still living. Uh, we get to, to look, to look short term and to think short term, uh, which is great because I'm all about living the moment. I'm all about carpe diem, but at least having a direction that we go towards and and uh, and that direction kind of defines us and it defines our actions and behaviors. 100%. I mean um you know you just you just can't go through this period <laughs> you can't come out this stronger and better. It's just not acceptable, you know? Like I don't want to be I don't want to be the guy that's mastered the game of FIFA <laughs> coming out of this, you know. Exactly. <laughs> it's and not acceptable. Exactly. It's not acceptable, but that's something that you're telling yourself. No one is telling you that. You're telling yourself what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was um, someone who said throughout this pandemic said that, you know, if someone or there was this quote going around on, on social media, if we don't come out of this with having learned a new skill or developed our business further or become fitter, stronger, healthier, any of these. If we haven't done this now, it means that the excuse was never that. Now the excuse cannot be that we don't have time or that we yeah. don't have. The excuse is that we're actually Lousy. <laughs> Fucking lazy. What was that? What was that? What was that thing that you said? It was like you you just completed the run, and uh, there was a quote that you said. I love that. I can't remember what it was now. Um, God, it's like what was it? When there's no time off for fit or, or for a workout or something. I can't remember what you said. Uh, if we can pull out the quote, it would have been amazing. You know well, how you do, you go for a run and you're there and you're all like all looking triumphant with your hands and hips and you're, you know, you're, do, you're doing your little post like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. There is no, uh, I remember the instance that you are uh, referencing, but I don't remember exactly what I said. There's it will no, come there's back. There's no something about days off. There's no something for... Anyway, it was about like not. There, yeah, there's before. no days off for keeping. Yeah, it will come back to me. I know exactly what you're talking about yeah, because yeah, I think yeah, we had yeah. a conversation after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, You'll have to post it under the video when you remember because it will be in IGTV. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah it will be on. Back, I'll yeah. have to look back into the archive of the stories and, <laughs> and bring yeah, it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, again, you know, a time, like time is such a lousy excuse, is the lousiest of all. And I understand that we have to prioritize sleep and we have to prioritize work and we have to prioritize family 
Um, you know, if you've read Why We Sleep, uh, or for those of you who haven't read Why We Sleep, please read it because it will change completely the way you prioritize your life. And it's always been like that. A day has 24 hours. For some reason, we tend to compartmentalize it in such a way that it, it very much limits who we can become and what we can do in a day uh, by thinking that, you know, a lot of us actually, and myself included, I used to do that to deprioritize sleep, prioritize everything else, but in a way that sometimes I wasn't the one winning. So understanding that a day has 24 hours and the way that we structure it very much depends on us and very much depends on what we want to achieve. And, you know, I um, like if uh, like a motive that very much Gary Vaynerchuk uses, uh, Gary V, he says, you know, stop complaining about not having the time to do your to do your work or to becoming whoever you want to be or to increasing your income or um you know a day is 24 hours you work eight of it if you're employed and then you have another at least eight to develop on the side something that you're really passionate about but for that you really have to have the discipline and the passion and the purpose and that's coming back to your the why and the how what is what is your why? Why is it that you're doing everything that you're doing? In the moment that you can, if you cannot answer that, that means that you're still navigating in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a discussion that I know has brought much light to, uh, <laughs> to the people watching and listening. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think we'll wrap up there. Like I know we both got to get on. Um, but I said, like people know how, know where to find you. Uh, the, the, Awana Damien on Instagram. And if you've been intrigued about anything Awana's been talking about, and I've been talking about, do send uh, her a message or do send I a message and um, we can have a further discussion. But uh, Awana, I'll let, I'll let you get on. Thank you again for, for sharing you. your insights and your story. Um, it's been great. Again, I feel like, you know, I, I got to know you a bit more over this broadcast as well. You know, like I've got a every time I sat down with you it's been a meaningful <laughs> conversation you know but um I, I, I knew it would be with you as well so I was very much looking yeah. forward to it and it clearly was yeah well we didn't we, you didn't think we'd go on for an hour and 15 did you I didn't <laughs> I didn't you yeah. know but like, we can go on and on and on I know I know we got things to do <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> all right yeah. it's been a pleasure thank you so much Johnny all right Take care. You too. Bye-bye. All right. There we have it, guys. Um, I think that was a fantastic discussion with Awana. We discovered, uh, we spoke, discussed about so many different things there. Um, you know, the direction the, avi- the aviation industry is going in, um, you know, travel and how important to that to us how that is. All these destinations that we're going to be looking forward to coming out of this um fitness lifestyle you know creating a group where of something you're passionate about and the byproduct of all of these things that can come from it you know uh, meaningful relationships friendships a girlfriend a boyfriend right um and and guess what that is something you can do right now you don't necessarily have to be going out to restaurants bars and, and clubs to meet people you can literally create a community within or join a community within something that you're that you're passionate about and you can create a social life from that. Um, 
And uh, Oana gave us a great uh, example of how she did that in her life uh, and how that whole group was sponsored. And, you know, so if you're into the whole sort of commercializing your page or you're an Instagram influencer or want to go in that direction, you know, then that's something you can do. Um, but anyway, guys, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Um, again, I just want to keep on bringing you interesting people every week here, Tuesday uh, at six uh, o'clock British summertime. Um, and, and just see what we can get from the conversation, see if we can learn something new, being open-minded. I think this is a time where we've got we've got more than enough time to take on the lessons um, from other people that have uh, walked the path that we, uh, that we desire to walk down. Uh, guys, if you want to hit me up, if you've got any questions on your dating life and your social life, uh, got any hurdles that you want to jump over, you feel like I can help you out with, don't hesitate to get in touch. And um, we can continue the conversation over there. Guys, have a good afternoon, an evening, uh, morning, wherever you are. God bless you guys and stay healthy. Okay, bye. Hi, guys. If you enjoyed the content, why not head over to my YouTube channel and hit subscribe? If you want to send me a message directly, head on over to my Instagram, London Dating Coach, where you can contact me directly.